So last week we started this mini-series, I guess it is, on stewardship and finances, the economic atheist. Sometimes, many times, our finances are the last area of our lives that we turn over to God because it's just, it's just that hard. I mean, it's, it's, we got to eat, we, we got to live, we got to have stuff. I mean, stuff isn't, isn't awful. We've got to have the things that we need to, to, to have the lifestyle that we, that we need. Money seems like it's in such short supply. But last week I talked about the fence of God's favor. Notice who's inside the fence and who's not. No, I'm just kidding. That's not. Uh, but but that, we, it, it's here as a visual for us to, uh, to, to remember that, that God has set up some principles on a whole lot of areas, uh, moral, morals, uh, but, but it, he also uh, includes finances where he sets up these principles where if we are following those things, we're inside the fence, so to speak. We're inside the fence of his favor where he can bless us. When, when we do things his way, he, he brings blessing. When we don't do things, when we step outside the fence, he, he doesn't, he can't bless us. So last week we looked at the economic cycle, if you remember. Uh, if you weren't here, you don't remember, but you can go online and listen to it. We'll highlight it here real quick. The economic cycle uh, described in Leviticus 19, 23 to 25, uh, he's referring to uh, planting uh, and, and harvesting and all these things, but, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's so that in the agrarian society, that was economics to them, right? And so if we can bring that over to the, our economics. Let's go ahead and, and, and look at that. If you remember, we had uh, sow, grow, harvest, right? And that was the economic cycle where, where for, for three years when they entered the land, they were to plant. And then uh, for three years, uh, they were going to work the soil, they were going to plow, and they were going to plant, and then they were going to weed and wait. And we all agreed that uh, we love weeding and waiting. It's some of our favorite things to do, right? No, uh, we talked about the, the hard work that goes into it before we ever get to harvest. It wasn't until year four we saw in Leviticus 19, we, we saw that, that uh, we could bring a harvest. But then even at that, the first harvest was was uh, was all, was God's, and then we harvest, and and, and so. In fact, I, I said uh, through the through the course of this, um, uh, we got sowing, growing, and then harvesting. Uh, there, there are three questions that we need to uh, to answer in the area of our economics, the area of our finances. How how do I work? How do I honor? How do I budget? Last week was all about the the, the work that we've got to work hard. We can't just kick back and expect uh, a harvest, harvest, harvest all the time. There's there's uh, plowing and planting. There's there's weeding and waiting before there's ever reaping and. Re- Ward. And so if we ask those questions, how do I work, how do I honor, how do I, how do I budget, those three things will help us to, uh, to, to get our finances in order and remain within the fence of God's favor. And so last week was all about work, today is honoring, and next week we'll talk about budget. We're going to talk about giving. Uh, you saw the, uh, the video there, and that uh, probably hits uh, closer to home than we want it to. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk about giving to the church, uh, it ta- giving to God through the church, I guess I need to say. It, it, it doesn't always excite people in church. Uh, I heard a story about a church uh, uh, in, the, in the deep south where the preacher liked the people to talk back as he's preaching. You all don't seem to do that too much. Um, but um, because of this review thing, I guess you still enjoy the preaching. You're just not, you know, the ameners and the hallelujahers. That almost sounded like Medea, didn't it? Hallelujah. Yeah, anyway. Um, 
Uh, so anyway, so the deep south, this guy's preaching, and uh, you know they, they, the, the, the congregation's working with him, and he's really getting into the swing of things. In the middle of his sermon, uh, he says, uh, this church is like a crippled man that needs to get up and walk under the power of Jesus. And several in the congregation said, let it walk, preacher, let it walk. And he kept on going and and he said, this church is like Elijah on Mount Carmel and it's got to run. And more people in the congregation started to get excited. Let it run, preacher, let it run. And he so he kept on going and he said, this church has got to mount up on wings like eagles. We've got to fly. And some of them were on their uh, their feet and they're waving their hankies. Let it fly, preacher, let it fly. So he continued, now, if this church is going to fly, it's going to take money, he says. And a couple people in the back said, let it walk, preacher, let it walk. <laughs> no, there's, uh, there's a series and, and sermons on finances aren't always the most popular ones that we want to hear. In fact, uh, maybe some of you have already tuned me out, or uh, maybe some of, some of folks that aren't here today decided they'd enjoy the sunshine instead. Um, but uh, sometimes people go, oh, man, here we go again. Church is, church is just all about money. That's, that's, church is just, it's, it's all about money. And I guess when I hear that, I, I want to say, really? I mean, are churches really all about the money? I mean, is it maybe that people just don't want to have an honest conversation about how we are usually all about the money, Right? I mean, think about it. We don't send out bills. We don't have collection agencies harass you. We don't play favorites based on how much you give, kind of like the manipulator guy there, right? We don't refuse ministry to you if you're not giving in the offering. I mean, try that at the restaurant at lunch today. Just walk in, enjoy your meal, and then walk out. And uh, they, hey, well, they want to want you to pay your bill. Just say, you know what? I was just checking out the service, see how things were. I just wanted to see what you guys had to offer. Uh, I might be back. Doesn't, doesn't work that way, right? Because, <laughs> because that's not what, how business works. Um, we, uh, business is about money. Church is about ministry, right? Business is for consumers. Church is for worshipers. And that changes the whole conversation. It isn't really a money issue, it's a worship issue. Submitting your finances to God, doing things his way in the economic realm, getting inside the fence of his favor is the best way to live. His way is always best. Living a life of worship will always include how you honor God with your money. It's going to include that. How do I honor? What, what, do I do? what does that look like? Well, well, the Bible says that we honor God with a tithe. 10%. Giving 10%. I, I've heard many jokes, uh, great jokes, over the years about tithing and giving in church. There's one about the kid who watched the offering plates being passed, and they were people putting money in, and when it came to, to his family, he leaned over to his dad and said, Dad, you don't have to pay for me. I'm, I'm under five. There's the bumper sticker that says, Tithe if you love Jesus. Any idiot can honk. Kind of like that one, but... Then there, this may be one of my favorites. Two men were shipwrecked on a, on a desert island in the South Pacific, and they were lucky to be alive, but the island was, was tiny, and it was remote, and uh, just sand and one palm tree and really nothing else. 
And one of the men was just in a complete panic and he's just pacing up and down the beach and, and just uh, talking about how they're going to die and they don't have any food and they don't have any drinking water and the sun is beating down on them. They don't have any resources to even build a shelter to get out of the, out of the sun and he's just going on and on and there's no way in the world anybody's going to find them and it's just, and, and he turned around and his buddy is laying down in what little shade there is under the palm tree dozing. And he's incredulous. He said, oh, don't you know the, the predicament that we're in? This is just awful. And, and uh, what are we going to do? And he's, he's like, yeah, I mean, I get it. And we're stranded on this island and we're hundreds of miles away from anywhere. But don't worry. I mean, I, w- I make 10 grand a week, he said. The other guy, oh, it doesn't matter how much you make. We're out here in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't matter how much you make. He said, oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me tell you again here. I make 10 grand a week and I tithe. My pastor will find me. (laughs) Tithing, giving 10% of what I make to God through my church. Simple definition, giving 10% of what I make to God through my church. Now, just a side note real quick, and uh, maybe we saw some of these on the the video there, uh, a little bit of an illustration of this, but it doesn't... It doesn't count to say, I give my time and count that toward your tithe. Well, let's see, I, I make this much at my job, so my time is worth this much, so I can kind of factor that out. I mean, Scripture says, yeah, we need to do that, and those are awesome things we need to give, and we need to, uh, we need to give of our time and, and give of our talents and give of our efforts and all this kind of thing. But this is specifically talking about 10% of, of, of what we make, what we have, our finances to God. So, so, that's, that's kind of the ball, the playing field. That's where we're at. Tithing, giving 10% of what I make to God through my church. And, and as your pastor, I care about whether you tithe or not. But not for the reason that you might be thinking. <laughs> because it's not about the money. It's not about keeping the lights on at the church or paying the mortgage. It's not about paying the bills. It's about worship. And I, I, as your pastor, I care about your soul. I care about your spiritual well-being. And, and, and this is one of those things that, that many times is a hiccup for us. And, and maybe we're, we're, we're serving God in this area and we're serving God in that area and we're behind the fence of his favor. But when it comes to money, we step out. And we're not all in. It's, tithing is how we honor God in his economy. It's, it's not just a charitable contribution that I can write off on my taxes. It, it's, it's worship. It's not about obedience. It, it is about obedience. It's not possible for you to truly have peace and joy and intimacy with God until you settle the financial issue in your faith. Let me say that again. It is not possible for you to have true peace and joy and intimacy with God until you settle the financial issue in your faith. So today I want to give you three reasons why I tithe. I'm sure there are more. Uh, You probably have have some that are better than this too, but three big reasons why I tithe, and maybe that will help to show the importance of this fundamental issue in honoring God. Why I tithe, number one, because I am an economic theist. 
A lot of big words there, I guess. But theist, basically, uh, we've, this, is, this whole series is economic atheist. So a theist is someone who believes in God, believes in the one true God. Uh, as If we are economic atheists, we wouldn't worry about tithing because it's all about money and it's all my money. And so why would I give it away if I'm an atheist? Uh, I wouldn't do this. But because I'm an economic theist, I tithe. I believe in God. And not just any God, but I believe in the one true God, the God who created the world, the God who set the stars in place, the God who lovingly created humanity, breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, provided an amazing place, this world in which to live. And when we messed things up and disobeyed, this one true loving God provided for our salvation in Jesus Christ. He has established how life works best inside the fence of his favor. And part of that includes giving a portion back, just a little tiny bit back of all that he has given to us, just 10%. Blessing him, honoring him. Because he has blessed us with so many things, we honor him back because we're theists, because we believe in this God, our God. Again, that economic cycle from Leviticus 19, sow, grow, harvest. Remember who gets the first harvest? It's God. Uh, and that, that first time we harvest, uh, that we, uh, after all the hard work, all the benefit, the first harvest belongs to God. We spent some time there in Leviticus last week, and I want to go back to that same book again today, because this tithing thing goes clear back to where God has given all these laws and rules and, and, and uh, live this way inside, inside the fence, live this way, and, and he includes in Leviticus 27 this issue of tithing, clear back then. Leviticus 27, verse 30 and 32, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. God established the tithe, giving back 10% of everything as an act of worship. It's holy unto the Lord. It's not to be used in common ways like all the rest. It's holy. Now, God's people have always struggled with this issue, among many other issues that God established clear back there in the book of the law. And so uh, coming along then in, in uh, uh, one of the prophets, actually the Italian prophet, Malachi, um, Malachi. Uh, Malachi, the, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, uh, Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10, uh, he's talk, God is talking through the prophet Malachi and says, you messed up on this again. Here we go again. This is what, what you need to hear. Uh, Malachi 3, 8 says, will a mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In other words, you've stepped outside the fence. You're, you're, you're not giving back. You're not honoring me. Uh, and they say, well, how, how is that? And he says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I tithe because I'm a theist, because I believe in God, and I believe in the God who has established the way life works best. Don't rob God by withholding the tithe. If we believe in God, if we're following him, if we're theists, we will tithe. We will honor him with the first of our harvest. Why I tithe? Because I'm a theist. Number two, why do I tithe? Because the tithe belongs to God. 
Psalm 24, 1 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God has not given up ownership of this life. God has not given up ownership of the things that we enjoy. He has only granted us stewardship. He still owns it. We're just allowed to use it. He entrusts it to us for a season of time. It's temporary. God says, I own all this and I will bless you with it. Just honor me with the first little bit. And... It's natural in us to push back on that and say, uh, you know what, no, it's, I've got all this and it's mine, right? Reminds me of those little birds on that Nemo movie, right? Mine, 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 mine. We live like everything that we have is ours and we can use it however we want, but if we see that everything is actually God's, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, the, everything belongs to God, it's just a blessing from God that we get to enjoy it, that changes our whole perspective. I want to tell a little story to illustrate this. Nick's not here so I can tell it. You may be able to relate to it. Several weeks ago, uh, I took Nick to the dentist. Actually, the orthodontist and then the dentist, same day, because the dentist had to do a little uh, uh, fill, a, fill a cavity, actually a couple of cavities, but one of them, his wire from his braces was in the way. So, I mean, picture this. This is like the worst day possible for many of you, right? Go to the orthodontist, have them mess in your teeth and take the, uh, take the wire out, then make it over to the dentist. He sat in the dentist chair for an hour, and they were only able to get one of the two uh, uh, cavities filled. Not exactly having the best day in the world, right? Then we have to go back to the orthodontist, uh, hurry back there before they uh, close for lunch to get that wire put back in, and then he's missed lunch at school. And so I'm like, okay, we'll go to your favorite restaurant, McDonald's. (laughs) So the Novocaine is wearing off, and the drooling is slowing down, and he's ready for his 10-piece chicken nuggets and fries that he gets every time... Everywhere we go, doesn't matter where, but McDonald's is the choice. So we go through the drive-thru, we get his meal with a Sprite, of course, because you got to have the Sprite. We headed back to school. Now lunch, uh, Nick's, so I'm driving the, the family truckster, the, the white minivan. The, uh, the, the bag is sitting between us. Nick's here. He's, uh, he's working on his, his meal, and I decide that maybe I want to snag a couple of those fries. You would have thought, I'm I'm exaggerating, I know, but I'm going to say it this way anyway. You would have thought that I asked him to rip off his right arm and hand it to me rather rather than have a couple of fries. He grabbed the bag, crumpled up the top. Dad, those are my fries. Get your own fries. I know he'd had a bad day, the dentist and all the stuff, right? And, and, uh, and, and he was enjoying that after a stressful morning, I understand that. And I was glad to provide this for him, and I was, I was happy to be able to do that. But I think that Nick forgot a few things that perhaps a lot of us forget too in this whole realm of, of God's economics. Nick forgot, number one, let's go ahead and go to the fry slide Oh, you guys are hungry, aren't you? Nick forgot, number one, that I provided the fries. Not sure I said this, but I could have said, son, 
where did those fries come from, right? (laughs) Would you have had any fries had it not been for me? He probably could have said, would I have been at the dentist had it not been for you? But uh, that's a whole other story, and that doesn't, doesn't help my cause here today. But I was the source of the fries, right? Uh, and, and so in the, in the context of all this, Nick forgot that he wouldn't have had any fries had it not been for me. And so I, uh, I, I provided the fries. Number two, he forgot that I don't need his fries. I'm not rich but I certainly could have afforded to drop him off at school and go back to McDonald's and get enough fries to founder on for the rest of the day and maybe the next day, right? I could have gotten my own fries. I didn't need his fries. I don't need his two measly little fries that I was going to take. I just want, I just asked for... So he forgot that the fries came from me in the first place. He forgot that I don't really need his fries. If I wanted fries, I could get fries. That wasn't the issue. The third thing he forgot is that I could take his fries whenever I want. Now, he's getting bigger, I know. And most days, though, I can still take him. I know his tickle spot, so that's how, that's, how it, uh, that's how it works. But if I wanted those fries, I could have snatched the bag from him and made sure that he didn't get another fry for the rest of the week, right? I, I, because I, I, if I wanted them, I could have taken them. And the fourth thing that Nick forgot, he needs to give his fries, Here's where I'm going with this. He needs to give those fries voluntarily because it helps define our relationship. If he withholds from me, he'll become tough and hard-hearted toward me. If he's generous back to me like I was with him, it softens his heart in that whole relationship. And all four of those things are true in God's economics with us. God is the source of every good thing. We wouldn't have any of it if it weren't for him. He doesn't need our fries. If it was about the fries, if it was about the money, he could could make money like that, right? He doesn't need need our fries. He doesn't need our 10%. God isn't up there going, boy, I hope they tithe today because I need to eat. That's, that's That's not where it's at. He doesn't need the money. If he did... He could take it whenever he wanted to, right? God is God and we are not, and he could take our fries if he wanted them. Bottom line, we need to give because it defines our relationship. Because he has blessed us in so many ways, instead of being hard-hearted and, and greedy and, and holding, withholding from him, we need to be open to him. But we don't tend to live... With, Pat, with that perspective. Instead, we tend to have French fry competition, so to speak, I guess. Uh, the one with the most fries wins. <laughs> we like to collect them. We like to hoard them. We like to flaunt them. We feel more important if we have more than someone else. Look at my fries. I've got more than you. It makes us feel powerful, right? And Jesus interrupts that line of thinking in Luke chapter 12 and says, be on your guard. A person's life does not consist in the abundance of their French fries. That's my translation. In the abundance of their wealth, he says. uh, A person's life does not consist in the abundance of their wealth. We had better learn to share. I tithe because it belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. The third thing why I tithe is because I want God's favor on my life. 
I've been mentioning this fence of God's favor. It'll stay up here another week, and we'll talk about it again next week. God has established this practice of giving back to him just one-tenth of what we have in order to show that, that he is first in our lives. When we do that, we're honoring him. We're trusting him. We're obeying him with the first fruits. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. This goes back to that economic cycle. So grow harvest. The first year harvest, it goes back to God. People might say, well, I just don't have it. If I had it, I'd give it. And I'd probably have to push back and say, no, you probably wouldn't because you did have it and you spent it on something else. Joe Dentler has, has told me about his uh, uh, pastor father who, who used to say something to you. I'm sure I'll get this wrong, Joe, but it's close, I think. 90% with God's blessing is so much more than 100% without God's blessing. Within the fence of God's favor and giving up 10% off the top, you've got all that favor coming back to you. Living within that, giving it off the top, 10% to God through the church means an increase in your harvest. Again, that, that cycle of uh, 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 economic cycle we talked about last week, this is how you increase your harvest, by giving away the first part to God. That doesn't make any sense. Sometimes it's scary. It takes a lot of faith, but it's the least we can do in light of God's blessings. I heard the story of a... Uh, of a missionary who received a knock on the door of her hut one afternoon and she'd been working with, with these uh, new converts to the faith and uh, this was one of them uh, who came and presented her with, a, with a, a fish still on the line and said, this is my tithe. And she, it was meaningful to her because she'd been teaching them some of these same truths and how God wants a tithe, 10%. And, and, but, but she asked the, the man, she said, well, where are the other fish? Because if this is a tithe, that means you, there should be nine more fish somewhere. And, and he said, oh, they're still in the river. I'm going to go catch them now. 10% off the top, first fruits. It takes trust. It takes faith. Honor God with the first fruits, robbing God is for economic atheists. Tithing is how we honor God. It's an issue of trust. Honoring God with the tithe uh, means that he will bless us. It, it might not always be financial blessing, uh, but it, there is blessing, and it's a promise. He says, it test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I've asked David and Lori Applegate to come up. Uh, they have just a, a, a little story to tell, a testimony of how they've seen these principles work in their own lives. And I wanted you to hear it straight from them because you hear from me all the time. And uh, so they're going to share a, a little bit of, about that. So, so you guys tithe, have tithes from the beginning of your marriage, correct? Yeah, that's right. So Lori and I were married in the summer of 1990. And we decided at that point that, uh, you know, this is something we wanted to honor God in our marriage, and we just really didn't want to, to go into a marriage without tithing. And um, I was just getting out of the military at that time, and Lori had uh, just gotten tenure as a school teacher, but I, I pulled her out of the state of Delaware, and we moved to Cincinnati. So she gave up her tenure as a school teacher, and I gave up my role as a uh, technician in the Air Force and uh, went to college. So we didn't have a lot of money. I was a college student on the GI Bill and she was a, she got a part-time job. Part-time preschooler. In, yeah, preschool. So we had one car. I had to 
take her or drop her off. It was a long story. But anyway, it was a, just financially, it was not a great time for us. Um, it, but just because some of the uh, some of the decisions that we'd made and uh, where we wanted our our career to go. And, and um, anyway, we didn't have a lot of insurance either. Um, you know, the military was great about insurance, but when you become a civilian, you give that up. And so we just bought at the minimum that you can get, basically, in case there was some kind of crisis. So we're just trying to be responsible. Um, but Lori had a routine doctor's visit, and he heard something in her heart that was not good. He didn't like it, and uh, it could be as serious as a aneurysm in her aorta. So I'm um, not a medical person, but I know the aorta you do not mess with because that'll kill you quick. So here we are, very first uh, year of marriage, and uh, it was probably in the fall I'm thinking this happened. Uh, it was before the Gulf War. But, um, you know, obviously we had a crisis there, just the medical thing, and so that was a matter of prayer, and, and we uh, that's a an answer there because it turns out that she's just got a, a little bit of a twist to the aorta, but he, he could hear it, it, just something he could hear. But he didn't know that, so he sent us to testing, and we had this ultrasound done, and it turns out it was nothing, but by the way, there's a bill. And, um, you know, you get, you get charged for that. Even though it's nothing, they still charge you. And the bill was $450.10 for an ultrasound. Now, of course, that'd be 10 times that today, I think. But, um, you know, for us, that was uh, a lot of money, and we... It's a month's pay for us. And Lori, um, you know, she's one that likes to plan ahead. You know, you, you work out the budget, and then you work toward that, and, and you, you get everything figured out. Well, for us, that was an unplanned expense. And, um, you know, we just committed that to prayer. And I had some opportunities that came up to do some tutoring through school and a part-time job at Procter & Gamble. And I, you were tutoring as well, if I remember right. I did some tutoring. Subbing. So by the time the bill was due, we got a check that month that was over and above our amount, and the number was $450.10 exactly. I mean, to the penny. And I, I can tell you, just because I talk to a lot of people about stuff, I can, I can tell you that there are a lot of people that have had this very similar kind of experience, where you need something and you get exactly what you need. God does not promise us that... Um, we're not going to have trouble, but he does promise that he's going to be there and that he'll meet our daily needs. So we don't necessarily know what the future holds, but we know day by day what's going to happen to us. So um, I guess for me, it's just a, a little testimony that, you know, we've continued to honor God in that way. And, and we feel that God has been faithful to his promise and that um, I would never consider not tithing. 